Girl podcast, we review two studies that describe the transfusion practices used for the treatment of dogs hospitalized after trauma and for dogs undergoing splenectomy for splenic masses. These are both large retrospective studies out of Tufts University, a busy veterinary teaching hospital in Massachusetts. Dogs with trauma and dogs undergoing splenectomy for splenic masses are frequently administered blood transfusions. However, little is known about the clinical signs that trigger the administration of blood products to these dogs or the outcome of these dogs that receive transfusions. In human medicine, it is widely known that the transfusion administration is associated with decreased survival and poorer outcomes, as well as increased complications and longer hospitalization times. These associations have been minimally investigated in dogs. Therefore, the objective of both these studies was to determine reasons for the administration of blood products to dogs after trauma or to dogs undergoing splenectomy for splenic masses, as well as to determine associations between the transfusion and patient admission characteristics, injuries to trauma dogs, histopathology in splenectomized dogs, and overall outcome. In the first of two studies, Lynch and all wanted to describe transfusion practices in dogs after trauma. They retrospectively evaluated dogs from 2008 to 2013 that were hospitalized for at least 24 hours. Data collected included signalment, cause of injury, characteristics of injuries sustained, admission physical examination findings, clinical pathologic data at the time of admission, and results of AFAST and TFAST exams. Transfusion-specific data included the primary reason for transfusion, blood products given, and any reported evidence of transfusion reactions. Massive transfusion was defined as administration of a volume of blood or blood products more than 90 mls per kg in a 24-hour period or more than 45 mls per kg in a 3-hour period. In addition, survival data including cause of death or reason for euthanasia was recorded. The Animal Trauma Triage score, commonly called the ATT, was also calculated using information from the medical record to indicate severity of injuries. Overall, 165 dogs were included in the study with a 50-50 split between males and females. The average age was 4.5 years of age with a 22 kilogram average body weight. Mixed breed dogs were the most common breed represented in the study. 90% of dogs suffered from blunt trauma with a total of 86% from motor vehicle accidents, whereas 10% of dogs had penetrating trauma, secondary to bite wounds. 36% of the dogs were given a blood transfusion. Of those transfused dogs, 93% received packed blood cells, 33% received fresh frozen plasma, and 11% received fresh whole blood. Reasons for blood product administration included perioperative hemodynamic optimization for 40% of the dogs, worsening shock during resuscitation in 31%, worsening anemia in 20%, and coagulopathy based on prolonged clotting times in 6%. Overall, dogs that received transfusions were more likely to have penetrating bite wounds, higher heart rates, lower rectal temperatures, increased respiratory effort, increased gum paler, lower pack cell volume in total solids, higher blood lactate concentrations, and higher ATT scores. Interestingly, the mean pack cell volume at which dogs were transfused was 38%, 
which is generally considered the low end of the reference range for healthy dogs. However, keep in mind that acute blood loss commonly has a quote-unquote normal PCV due to fluid shifts and splenic contraction. Classically, these dogs with acute blood loss have a very low total protein. That's your little clue to look for acute blood loss, folks. In this study, 87% of the dogs survived, including 7 of 10 dogs undergoing massive transfusions. However, dogs that received transfusions had an overall lower survival rate of 78% compared to a 93% survival rate in dogs that did not receive transfusions. The authors attributed this difference to increased severity of injuries in the dogs that required transfusions, rather than the transfusions themselves. It's interesting to note that fractures were not associated with transfusion administration. However, 9 of 10 dogs that had long bone fractures and required transfusions had femoral fractures. This confirms the risk of blood loss requiring transfusions that can occur with femoral fractures, given their close proximity to large vessels within the hind limbs. Remember, there are only a few spaces or places where the body can catastrophically bleed, and long bones is one of them, along with the pleural space, abdominal cavity, arterial source, pericardial space, etc. Ultimately, this first study showed that one-third of dogs admitted to this veterinary teaching hospital for greater than 24 hours of care were given a blood transfusion and usually for perioperative stabilization. Unfortunately, because dogs hospitalized for less than 24 hours were excluded, many dogs that had injuries that did not require ongoing hospitalization, dogs with owners that declined hospitalization for financial reasons, or dogs with substantial injuries that did not survive 24 hours might have required transfusions but were not included in this study. Does this study change the way we practice transfusion medicine when it comes to our trauma patients? Probably not. But it reminds us that if you're resuscitating a dog after trauma and you notice that its pack cell volume is trending down or its total solids is low, especially if the dog is not responding to your shock resuscitation as nicely as you would like, your first thought should be that it might need a transfusion. Remember, we don't jump to blood right away. We want to appropriately resuscitate first, including crystalloids and colloids. But if your patient fails to respond to resuscitation, a blood transfusion may be in its near future. This study also confirms that depending on your trauma caseload and whether you're in a position to take these trauma cases to surgery for repair, it might be worth having blood products on hand. In the second study, Lynch and all also published a study describing transfusion practices in dogs undergoing splenectomy for splenic masses. This was a retrospective study conducted between 2001 to 2012 and looked at dogs admitted to both Tufts University and the affiliated specialty hospital Tufts Vets. Data collected from the medical records included signalment, physical examination findings, systolic arterial blood pressure at hospital admission, clinical pathologic information at the time of initial evaluation at the hospital, presence or absence of abdominal effusion or a subjective assessment of volume, as well as final histopathologic diagnosis for the splenic mass. The major reason for transfusion, the specific blood product or products administered, and evidence of transfusion reactions were also determined from the medical record. Massive transfusions were defined the same as in the previous trauma paper. 
Apple FAST scores were also calculated as a measure of illness severity. Survival was recorded at discharge from the hospital, as well as 30 and 180 days after discharge, and death was recorded as euthanasia or natural death when applicable. A total of 542 dogs were included in this latter study, with 56% being male and 44% being female. The most common breeds were Golden Retrievers, Labrador Retrievers, and German Shepherds, followed by mixed breed dogs, Boo, Hamantia sarcoma, and our favorite breeds of dogs. In this study, 44% of the dogs received a blood transfusion during hospitalization. Of those dogs transfused, 91% of dogs received packed red blood cells, 25% received fresh frozen plasma, and 5% received fresh whole blood. Reasons for blood transfusions included 38% of dogs for perioperative management of shock, 37% for perioperative management of anemia, 12% for intraoperative hemodynamic optimization, 8% for coagulopathy, and 4% for postoperative hemodynamic optimization. As far as laboratory assessments, dogs that required transfusions were more likely to have a lower pack cell volume, total solids, albumin, base excess, and platelets as well as a higher blood lactate, total white blood cell count, BUN, creatinine, and prothrombin time. As far as clinical signs and other assessments, dogs that received transfusions were also more likely to have a lower rectal temperature, as well as a higher heart rate and respiratory rate, increased respiratory effort, increased gum paler, and higher apple fast score. Not surprisingly, hemoabdomen was diagnosed in 63% of dogs. The presence of hemoabdomen, especially a subjectively quote-unquote large-volume hemoabdomen, was associated with transfusion administration, although the packed cell volume of the peritoneal effusion was not associated with transfusion administration. Hemangiosarcoma was diagnosed in 55% of dogs receiving a transfusion, which was a higher incidence compared to a 33% incidence of hemangiosarcoma in dogs that did not receive a transfusion. These numbers are comparable with previous studies. 92% of dogs survived a hospital discharge, although all three dogs receiving massive transfusions died before discharge from the hospital. Of the transfused dogs, non-survival was associated with larger total blood product administration described at 26 mils per kg in non-surviving dogs, compared to only 16 mils per kg in surviving dogs. Likewise, spontaneous death or euthanasia was more likely in dogs receiving transfusions, and 30 and 180-day survival were lower in dogs receiving transfusions. Overall, what do the results of this study show that might change our clinical picture? Well, given that more than half of the dogs with a splenic mass undergoing splenectomy will be diagnosed with hemangiosarcoma, if they require transfusion, and because these dogs have a lower survival at one and six months after hospital discharge, this might affect an owner's decision to pursue treatment. Thus, this study provides us with more information to help improve owner expectations in these situations and possibly help guide client decisions. So if you're at a practice that sees these dogs, this study provides more reasons to have blood product on hand, especially if you're comfortable cutting these cases yourself rather than referring them. The limitations of both of these studies should be noted, including the retrospective nature which means that different treatment plans, owner financial abilities, and clinician discretion would have dictated transfusion administration. 
Interestingly, the rate of transfusion reactions in both studies was very low, suggesting that if you do decide to transfuse dogs after trauma or perioperatively for splenectomy, transfusion reaction is considered unlikely. So what can we take away from this Vet Girl podcast? When in doubt, if you see a lot of trauma or hemoabdomen cases, having blood products on hand is a must. Know that the rate of transfusion reaction is very low, but keep in mind that we want to give blood products when appropriate. 